probably about easily probably over 300 jewelers or something probably here in Santa Fe or in the surrounding area and it's been really to stand out you got to really go for it. <laughs> First People's Fund presents the Collective Spirit Podcast. The Collective Spirit moves each of us to stand up and make a difference, to pass on ancestral knowledge, and simply extend a hand of generosity. The Collective Spirit Podcast features Native artists and culture bearers who discuss the power of Indigenous art and culture. My name is Samuel Lafountain. I am Navajo and also Turtle Mountain Chippewa. My medium is jewelry and metalsmithing. And at the moment, I am residing in Santa Fe, New Mexico. My father and my mom, they met at the Art Institute here in Santa Fe. So ever since I'm, ever since I can remember, I've always been around art. And like my first medium actually was sculpting. I was really into carving sculptures and into, into sculptures. My dad was a stone carver. And my mom was a jeweler as well, so I would watch her make jewelry. And her using the torch and using the flame, I was really drawn to the alchemy of it. My dad's friend, Gibson Nez, was like a really prolific Navajo jewelist. And he would come by, just to come by and, you know, hang out with my dad at his studio. And he would happen to have, like, his jewelry with him. So he would share, like large concho belts just like fully inlaid with repose stamping and just like really incredible jewelry so like I was just really really drawn to it and I'm really fortunate that I had a really strong supportive system that allowed me to go forward with being an artist yeah they definitely wanted me to do other stuff when I grew up but I definitely I was just drawn to silversmithing. It's just like being able to manipulate metal and to form into like objects. And like my auntie Laverne, she was actually a jeweler too, like part time. Like she had a job on the side and like a full time job, but she made jewelry on the side to just like make extra cash and support her family, which was really cool. And so she really nurtured my more traditional Navajo style side, but when I first started, I was really doing a lot of traditional style, like Navajo style, like um, big turquoise, coral, stamping. But then I kind of just really got drawn into the contemporary and like my style and my creativity evolved into a whole different style. So I've been making jewelry for oh, 24 years. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a great uh, process, that's for sure. A lot of learning, <laughs> a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I think at one point I was introduced to the circle of artists in Santa Fe. There's a really awesome community of teachers and mentors and people who would really want to show you and help you. And at the same time, they really want to see that you're serious about it. So there's a lot of times where you're like, what's going on here? You know, don't have a support system. But then you realize all these people are just watching you and just making sure that you're really going for it because they don't want to spend the time and and like not and you not learn anything or not even take what they're trying to teach you. I'm really fortunate enough to have a really strong supportive teachers and mentors of the arts as well as business and 
where I want to take my my jewelry. And I think at one point I definitely want to start teaching teaching jewelry too at some point or have some sort of like institute or school where I can teach. I really want to do it close to the res or to one of the reses, of course, like either North Dakota or here in New Mexico. So that's like the end goal, I think, after I get established and have like a nice setup. But yeah, a lot of challenges, I think, are just being confident about your art. And just one thing I'm really thankful is like I've seen my dad, like my whole family, like my dad, my uncle, my mom, I've seen them all like sell art. And, like, I don't want to say hustle, but, you know, they had to really go for it and try to, they're making a living off their art. A lot of challenges like you could have too is going to a show somewhere out of state and not making any money and you're in like a bind because you're kind of invested all your money into getting there then you have a show that's not that good so I've definitely been fortunate enough that I've seen a lot of people go to galleries and shops and go door to door pretty much just trying to sell their art so you know you never know until you go ask those people and Sometimes they say no, and sometimes they end up buying your whole inventory. So you just got to have uh, confidence in yourself and just really go for it. Because sometimes you're down and out on yourself and kind of trying to give yourself a really hard time. But it's I'm not the light. It's tough sometimes. But I'm just really thankful. I'm lucky because I had a really strong support of like artist, artist family. So I had a little cheat code, I guess you could say. But... Just believe in yourself and try to get the best teacher you can find in your medium or in your in your art form. And just, you know, talk to people, ask questions. Sometimes you'll come across people who don't want to say anything, but sometimes you'll come across that one person who opens up and just gives you the best advice or even just even opens up their or opens their shop to you and you know, having a mentor, having like a mentorship is really, I think, really important to have as an artist. It doesn't, it doesn't, it just helps. A lot of questions that you probably have, they went through it at one point. It's just believe in yourself and just really go for it. This was years ago, but like I never just, I never really looked into it until like my cousin Hillary, she got the fellowship. She was telling me about it, and from what I've seen her take her art into another business like uh, level, it really drew me to the First Peoples Fund. And also, just like I've had a lot of friends who received the grants from you guys and had support from you guys, and from all of them are doing really well right now. So I'm really appreciative of it. It's helped me a lot. Was working for us. I was actually working toward getting a project done for Indian Market with a proposal for a microscope and also an engraver. And that's helped me take my jewelry to the next level. And also, was, another thing, you know, due to the pandemic, I was experiencing like not being able to show my jewelry or have shows, or because I'm also a Portel member on the plaza here in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So, I get to sell on the portal and during the pandemic, it was closed. So I was unable to do you know, like a lot of business. So the Palace of the Governors have a educational artisan program. It's open, it's open to all natives, but there's 
the only allotted so many people. So the people who are in there right now, it's kind of like they're grandfathered in there, I guess you could say. So my grandmother was actually a seller. She did beadwork, so she would sell down there too. So I'm like a third generational artisan that able to sell in the quartel. In the morning time, they have a a drawing of sixty sixty four spaces. So sometimes you get a space, and sometimes you don't. And a lot of the, some of the artists they travel anywhere between an hour to three hours just to get down there to to have the opportunity to sell. And I recommend it if you ever go down there to buy from those artists because you're buying directly from the artists, and it's an educational program. So whatever questions you have, like we're all supposed to answer your questions and. Everything down there is handmade, and it's just a great place. Other than that, the Santa scene is really like a lot of galleries in the port, like on the plaza. It's kind of an interesting scene. It's kind of like everybody knows each other, but at the same time, it's really competitive. <laughs> There's probably about easily probably over three hundred jewelers or something probably here in Santa or in the surrounding area. <laughs> And it's been really to stand out. You got to really go for it. <laughs> but you meet really like awesome people. A lot of people who they're it's like a big family. So everybody's really kind of takes care of each other down there. So it's really I'm really thankful to be a part of it. And it's really rain, snow, or shining. It's somebody's down there trying to sell their art. I just. Definitely want to do my part in jewelry, take it to the next level, take it to the highest level I can. And also, I do want to help and also, I want to be somebody's mentor. I'm starting to realize that now, I'm only 36, but then I'm, I'm starting to realize that I have other younger jewelers coming to me and coming to my shows and checking out my work every time I at every show and like that's exactly what I did when I was younger so just realizing that and kind of nurturing that like nurturing their creativity as well as their uh their goals because when it comes down to it like a lot of us are at the same shows or we happen to be in the same city when we're doing business I definitely just want to be there for my family I just want to just do my part in the whole art scene as well as like fantasy scene. I want to pass my knowledge. I just don't want to keep it to myself because I definitely stuff I can teach and the stuff I I'm still learning too. You know, and like I'm really thankful for my group of friends. The majority of them are all fifty plus, <laughs> so I'm like the young one out of the group, <laughs> still getting bossed around and all that. So. <laughs> But it's okay. It's good. <laughs> I think you kind of need that a little bit, you know. <laughs> My dad brought all these people down here, all the carvers, <laughs> all the North Dakota people, and everybody kind of came down. And like when Alan Hauser was teaching, because I remember going to his studio, kid. But he taught all these stone carvers, and they're from like Red Lake, they're from Michigan, they're from Canada, they're from California. Like all over the country, so it was a trip. Cause he just got back from Italy, and he had this six foot uh, 
It's like a six foot or seven foot piece of marble. And I always remember him just like going to that rock and just rubbing it and like showing my dad. And I was just like, damn, this is crazy. Cause like I knew what that rock was. And I was like, that's so cool. Cause I've never seen one that large before. And if you go out there to the compound out there, and it's that same rock is just standing out there. That's the same rock he was touching. The Collective Spirit Podcast is produced by First Peoples Fund, whose mission is to honor and support Indigenous artists and culture bearers through grant-making initiatives, culturally rooted programming, and training and mentorship. Learn more at firstpeoplesfund.org.